only get one chance at this life. Every moment is a new moment, a new opportunity to make a change. Our decisions shape us into who we are, but our decisions can change who we'll be. So I know it starts with me. It's my choice to change the norm. It's my decision to make things better. Who else is gonna make a difference? I'm not built to wait for change. I'm made to awaken it. C12. So here we go. Y'all ready to jump in? All right. So we are in week three of It Starts. And the whole point of this series, we're setting and casting the vision for what we believe God wants to do in this ministry, for what we are going to become this semester, and as that being a catalyst for us moving forward. But it's not just us as a whole. It's not just us as a ministry. It's you as well. That there's incredible potential of what God wants to do in your life, the story he's authoring for you. And we want to help you unlock that, unleash that inside of you and watch you grow. And this is the prayer that I pray over every single one of you. It's what I pray over my children, over my son, Bowen, over my daughter, Charlotte. And I believe that it's what God would pray over you as well, that you would grow up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and with men, just like Jesus did. That's Luke 2.52, and that's the prayer I have for you, that you would grow up, that we would all mature in our faith. Don't just mature physically, but mature spiritually. You see, in your college years, how many of you are actually like academia in college? Will you raise your hand? Can I just see that? Okay. How many of you are between the years of 18 and 25, but you're not like in school? Will you raise your hand? Okay, see, that's what I thought. There's a lot in both fields, and see, for both of us, the thing that I want us to grasp is, how do we not just survive these college years? How do we not just survive them, get to the end of them and say, man, I'm glad I got through that because that was, that was something. No, not just survive them. I want you to thrive in them. I want you to thrive in them. Let this be the kickstart of the rest of your life. Set the trajectory for what you're going to become and be a catalyst of your faith as you continue to grow, grow closer to what God would want you to be. And so as we've gone through this, in week one, we started to learn about the story of Moses and the Israelites through the book of Exodus. That God had an incredible vision for them, an incredible plan for them, and he wanted to start a movement in freeing them from being in slavery in Egypt. And he did this through this old dude named Moses. He was probably about 80 years old at the time that all this occurred. But we learned in week one that in order for a movement to begin, a movement like the Israelites in the Exodus, leaving the slavery of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet, that a movement starts in three places. It starts with God, it starts with vision, and it starts with you. That every single one of you have a part to play in this, and you got to step up. And so we talked about signing up on leadership, applying, and being a part of the leadership team. We've now established the leadership team here at C12, and I believe it's going to be a huge element in us continuing to move forward, continuing to grow, and ultimately continuing to see your friends come into this place and find Jesus. That's why we're here. And see, after we realized about the movement, about the three things that happened to start a movement, last week we learned that, that yeah, Moses did incredible things, and God used them in an awesome way. But he realized that he couldn't do it by himself. As they were in battle, we learned the story of Moses and his brother Aaron and his probably brother-in-law Hur and how they went up, not H-E-R, H-U-R. It's a weird name, I know, but it's okay, Old Testament. They went up on top of the mountain and he had to hold up the staff where the power of God was with him. And he held up the staff and every time the staff was above his head, the Israelites would win the battle that they had to fight against the Amalekites. 
But every time the staff was lowered, they'd start to lose. So Aaron and her brought a stone out when he got tired, let him sit on the stone, right? And I did my, I did my like air squats and I'm already tired. I'm going to do that again. But he did that and they held up his arms and they started to fall. And we realized that you can't do it alone. God has incredible things for you, but he did not design you to go through life and go through and finding that potential on your own. You need people around you. So we've been talking about small groups. That's how we're going to do it here at C12. Now see, there's incredible vision, incredible movement, incredible potential for Israel. But there's something else that Israel had to learn, and that's where we're going to land tonight. Is that they were a part of something greater than themselves. Israel was a part of something greater than themselves. And this is something that I had to learn in college as well. Now you've probably heard, it's not like I make it a secret, I went to UGA. Um, You're welcome. Now at UGA, uh, I was in a, a Spanish class, and I did not like... Spanish, like, I, I was an English major, like, let me just continue to learn things, right? Okay. I didn't like Spanish, but I was in Spanish, and there was one reason why I liked my Spanish, like, 2001 class, uh, that third semester I had to have of it. I knew nothing, like, nothing, and I got through three semesters of it, and in that third semester, I started to like Spanish because of a girl named Kimberly, <laughs> and Kimberly, I thought, was really cute, so Kimberly I walked in, and Kimberly's sitting in the front, and I was like, I'll sit next to her. So I walked up and started to sit next to Kimberly, and I get to know Kimberly over the course of the semester, and she's a lot smarter than I am, and I start to learn a little bit about Spanish. And as I do this, I realize, I don't know that I really like want to date Kimberly, but Kimberly's the jam. And I found out a little bit, a little bit about her story that challenged me. She told me that, that she dated this guy for a while, and then... Um, Depending upon where they were in their story, she realized, I just don't know if this is right for me. And she said something very interesting to me as she was saying what she desired in her life, and her story, as she got near the end of college. She said, I want to change the world. I want to do something to save the world. And I remember thinking, like, man, I don't do I I just want to get to know you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, wait a minute, you got aspirations. Hang on, let me catch up. And then I started to think about it. You know what? So do I. I want to do something with my life. I want to be a part of something greater than me. Now, one thing that I know about this generation is that collectively, all of you would say the same thing. How many of you right now would have the courage to say, you know what? I want to be a part of something bigger than me. I want to be a part of something greater in my life. How many of you would say that? I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I started to understand this at the end of my junior year because I met Kimberly. Now, fast forward a few months later, I had this uh, relationship with a guy that was a a mentor of mine. He was a coach of mine. Uh, He actually is on staff here at this church. His name's Kevin Queen. Ever heard of him? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's about, I can't talk about the height because he could beat me up in a fight, so it's cool. Now, I've known Kevin since I was 14 years old. Kevin's younger brother, his name's KC, is my best man. So I grew up knowing the Queens very well. And Kevin would pour into me and we'd have conversations. And he'd start to speak into my life as I got near the end of college, near to the end of this season of life. And so I'm there meeting with Kevin. And we've been meeting sporadically throughout college. And then we get near the end of it. And he starts to talk to me about, Matt, what is it that you want to do? What is it you want to do with your life? And a few months before, that conversation with Kimberly had stirred something inside of me. And I'm like, I want to... I want to be a part of something greater. So through the conversation, Kevin actually, we were sitting at the Panera on Lawrenceville Swanee. It was in October of my senior year. 
And Kevin looked at me across, we were sitting, you know the seats like in the back corner if you've ever been there where the fireplace is and there's that little like nook in the corner? We were right there. I remember all of it. We're sitting next to the fire and he looks at me across the table and he says, Matt, what if I said this? What if you came to 12 Stone and you were my intern? Now we have a two-year residency here at the church. It's It's like grad school where you learn how to be a pastor. And back then it was called the internship. Now we call it the residency. He said, Matt, why don't you come to 12 Stone and be my intern? And I looked at him across the table and I said, you know, let me pray about that. Yes. <laughs> Had never heard about it before. It was immediate. I knew, hang on, something inside of me is screaming out, that's what I want to do. You're going to call me into that to be a part of something greater than me? You see the potential in me, the talent in me, the ability that I have to come and learn underneath you and do this whole thing where one day I would end up being over C12? Let me pray about that. Yes, I'm in. Now, see, there wasn't a sense of hesitancy inside of me because something within me said, absolutely. Some some pull, some press inside of me said, that's what I want to do because I know that it's greater than me and I know that I'm talented and gifted enough to go after it. So I'm going to make something of my life and I'm going to be a part of a greater story. And that kick-started something inside of me that I believe is the exact same thing that had to happen inside of Israel. Because when Israel continues on in their story, right, we left off last week in Exodus 17, and the Amalekites came, and we learned that the Amalekites will always come. They're always going to come up from behind unexpectedly. And how you win the battle depends upon the power of God and the support of your friends. So they overwhelm the Amalekites, they end up winning the battle. And they continue on, and now Moses goes to Mount Sinai, and he walks up, and he's in the presence of God. And there are many chapters that talk about Moses' interaction with God, God telling the Israelites how they should live, him giving him the Ten Commandments, and then Israel beginning to understand what it looks like to corporately worship God. And then they fail in it because they're idiots and they're humans just like us, but we've obviously matured over the thousands of years, and we don't do stupid things anymore, right? Um, so they did all those things and Moses got really mad and broke the stone tablets and had to do it again. And there's all this progress that Israel makes from Exodus 18 all the way until the early thirties, early chapter, uh, early chapter thirties, right? And as they continue to move on, God tells them one main thing. I want to dwell with you. Israel, you are my people and I am so for you that I want to dwell with you. I want to, to live, to exist amongst you. And I want you to be able to worship me freely. And so God set up the design for this super intricate and elaborate thing called the tabernacle. Who's ever heard of the tabernacle? Yeah? Who has any idea what the tabernacle is? See, less hands. That's what I thought. Ha. That was a trick. Now listen, the tabernacle is something that sets up this whole model for Israel of we can be a part of something greater than ourselves. Israel had to learn that, that they could be a part of something greater than themselves. And so once we get near Exodus chapter 35, we start to see that God is no longer laying out this idea of the tabernacle. But now he's telling Moses, all right, you've hung out with me enough. Get down off the mountain and go and tell all of Israel to go and build this thing. And he lays out for numerous chapters, the intricate details by by foot, by inch, by design, by color, all of the things that have to go into making this tabernacle exactly what it's going to be. Because it's going to become the holy place. It's going to become the holy presence of where God rests. And so they go through all of these, and as Moses starts to tell them, listen, 
we get to be a part of something greater. We see how Israel decides to respond. And we see that in Exodus chapter 35. So there's a Bible underneath your chair that you can grab if you want to use that. There's also a phone you can use, a little thing called Version. That counts as well. It's okay. Now, if you don't have a Bible, if you came here tonight and you're like, no, you know, I don't, I don't have a Bible. I don't really know any of the Bible. We want to give that Bible underneath your chair to you. You're not stealing the Bible. Take it with you. Write your name in it. Take it home. Make it yours, okay? And we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 35. If you're in this Bible, I'll let you cheat. It's page 92. Exodus, second book of the Bible, the 35th chapter. That's why we say 35. And we're going to go there and we're going to learn about Israel's response to building the tabernacle. Because God would call them into something incredibly great. But how they respond matters. And it's going to teach us something. So we see Moses starting to tell them. And in the very beginning of Exodus chapter 35. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be a holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Very serious stuff. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Keep the Sabbath holy. Now watch what happens as he explains the tabernacle. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, from what you, what? From what you have, okay, good, you're listening. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. And then over the next dozens of verses, they continue to talk about every single thing they're supposed to bring in all detail, in all intricacy, every single bit of it. All these nuances they're supposed to bring in. But the main thing I want you to catch from that, go back to verse 5. This is what the Lord has commanded you. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is what? Willing. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold and silver and bronze. Now the key here is that they were willing. So Moses tells them, we get to be a part of something greater. We get to build the tabernacle, and God is going to dwell with us. This has never happened. The promises he made hundreds of years before are starting to come true. But the key there is whoever would be willing is to come and bring an offering and do these things. But if you keep reading on further, here's what happens. It says, all who are willing, and then in verse 10, it says, all who are what? Skilled. All who are willing and all who are skilled. All who are willing, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Now, if you go down to verse 21, it talks about it also. All who are willing. And everyone who is willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its places, and for the sacred garments. Go down again to verse 25. Every what? Y'all aren't fast enough. You can just scroll down. It's a few verses, okay? Every what? Skilled. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn of fine linen. See, all of these things have to do with this willingness, this desire, and this talent, this skill. This ability to say, use what you have and be willing to use it for the Lord and what he wants. And then we go down to verse 29. It's the last one right before that little break. Exodus chapter 35, verse 29. Read along with me. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings 
for all the work the Lord, for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings. See, when Kevin offered me to come and be his intern, he was saying, come and bring your life as an offering and watch God do something greater through you. You want to be a part of something greater than you? Then be willing to step up. Use the unique talents that you have and play that unique role that God would have for your life. See, the crazy part about this story It says that Israel would have all these things. Moses is commanding them to bring all these different things, all these robes and linens and minerals and and weapons and whatever else it is. They're supposed to bring all of it to build the tabernacle. But remember where Israel was. For 400 years, they were in slavery, and they just left. So if they were slaves in Egypt, do you think they had a lot of stuff? How in the world are you going to have a stockpile of gold and silver and bronze if you're a slave? That doesn't make sense. But God, when they left, when God had them leave the Egyptians, he promised, he said, and you will plunder the Egyptians. So all of the treasures that now they have to go and start their nation, God provided for them. And God gave them everything they needed. And he gave it to them specifically, knowing all the specifics of the tabernacle, they would already have it in place to go and build it. They just had to be willing to go do it. See, God's sovereign in your life, too. When we say God's sovereign, it means that he's in full control, that nothing takes him by surprise. You being here tonight, fully by design, not by accident. The worst thing that's ever happened in your life never took God by surprise. God's authored, ordained, and sovereignly said, you're going to be here tonight to hear this message because there's something that he wants for you to learn. And so there are unique things that you have within you that make you who you are. Your talents, your gifts, your time, your availability, your resources, just like Israel. They all played a part, and here's the deal. We see that the tabernacle was built. They all played a part in building it because they knew that they were a part of something greater. And they all had a unique role to play. And see, those are the two things that Moses and the Israelites would teach us tonight. Number one, and you can follow along in your notes. You are a part of something greater. You are a part of something greater, every single one of you. And the second thing is that you have a unique role to play. If you leave here hearing nothing else tonight, I want you to hear that you are a part of something greater and that you have a unique role to play. Now, I know this to be true because of what we know about the church. See, the tabernacle was the beginning of something that was much greater than the Israelites. It was the very first time that God's people had the opportunity to fully gather together and worship him and be in his presence and worship him. That's exactly what we're doing right now. So as the Israelites set up the tabernacle so they could worship him, while they had that, we have the church. And we get to be a part of something greater as not what we call, what I like to say, little C church, not 12 stone church, but big C church the church as a whole, the greater church, Jesus' church, all of us collectively that would say we follow him. We are a part of something greater. We get to do things that are far beyond even our reach, our impact, or our scope. You have no idea, you have no way to possibly imagine the impact that you can make in this world, in this community, in your generation, in your friends, at this church, if you would simply say, you know what? 
I got some unique talents. God has gifted me in specific areas. So I'm going to be willing to step up and be a part of something greater. Now, what, there are two main ways we're going to talk about how that happens. The first way that you can be a part of something greater and fulfill that unique role has to do with not necessarily this county, not really this city, but globally. You as a generation, you as a ministry, you as C12, we collectively can make a greater impact than you would ever know. We could change hundreds and thousands and millions of lives if we would be willing to step up and say, you give me a role to play, so I'm going to do it. Now here's the thing that the Israelites didn't do. I'm going to say this again in a few minutes, but I'm going to say it now. It doesn't say in here anywhere that Moses said, hey, go build the tabernacle. And they came to him and they were like, okay, let us, give us like, like four days. We're going to pray about that. You just, you keep telling everyone. I think I need to pray about that. So I'm going to go, good, good idea. I'm just going to, I need to fast about that probably. I, um, I'm pretty busy right now. I don't really know that, uh, that I have time for that. But, but I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it, right? That's nowhere in the scriptures. Nowhere. But I would imagine that a lot of us have had opportunities to do things, and our response has been, uh, let, you know what? I'll pray about that. I'll get back to you. All you're doing is you are, you are communicating the fear that's living inside of you. They never said, hang on, Moses, I don't know if I should do this. No, God gave them specific things to go do, and they said, you know what? We're willing, we'll do it. It wasn't, it, they didn't need time to go pray and figure it out. God gave them a call. He gave them something specific. And they said, okay, we'll go do it. Now there's someone who experienced being a part of something greater that's in this room tonight. He's on our staff here at the church. He's over our global outreach, our global missions. And his story actually took a turn. The entire trajectory of his life took a turn when he was in college. And I want him to come up here and share a little bit of a story and talk about what it actually means to be willing and say yes to the more that God would have for you to be a part of something greater. So his name is Michael Winfield, and he's sitting over here next to his very pretty wife, and he is going to walk up here, and he's excited about that because I said that. So as Michael walks up, y'all give him a hand. Let him know you're thankful he's here. Yes, and you're so special that you have your name. on. That's, Look at that. That's you, man. So pull up a chair. Now, Michael here had his life changed drastically near the end of his college years. And it all happened because you were willing to say, I want to be a part of something greater. Mm -hmm. And when you did it, your life changed. That's Absolutely. what you've told me. So Absolutely. I like Michael a lot. He's a good friend of mine here. And um, I want to, you've shared your story with me, but I think it'd be good for them to hear it. Because I think a lot of them have the opportunity to share the exact same trajectory of their story if they'd be willing to step up and do it. So would you tell us your story? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> much like you guys, sitting in my seat, you know, in church and kind of feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm about to graduate. I don't know what I'm supposed to really do. Um, I got jobs lined up. I mean, I got good jobs lined up. I've got jobs with the Braves. Not like, oh, I maybe like sell peanuts. Like I knew the front office. I had stuff lined up. I was ready to go. Um, oh, yeah, man, dude, Hayward had nothing. Right, I get it. Okay, right. okay. Um, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm sitting in college, and we're talking second semester of my senior year. And any of you second semester seniors will know, like, that's game time. Like, things are starting to happen. Decisions have been made. You're moving stuff out. You know, what am I going to do? 
Um, and, and wow, so here we are. Um, earthquake hits Haiti in January 12th, 2010. Um, this is, I'm talking graduating in four months. And God put in me in what I like to call a, a holy interruption into what I had planned in my life. And for me, um, not a super, super emotional guy, but I couldn't watch the news, couldn't see a picture, couldn't read an article without completely just weeping about what was going on. And God had put it in my heart um, to go serve those people. And the opportunity came up, and, and kind of like Matt had said, you know, oh, you know, let's just pray about it. Let me see if this is what God has for me. And, you know, I don't know, though, because I'm not sure, because I need a sign, I need a feeling, I need a lightning bolt. Uh, <laughs> so I, I pulled open the Bible, and, you know, back then I would just open it up and, like, I'm going to read here. Uh, go to 1 John chapter 3, and I read, and it says, if you have material possessions and see your brother in need but don't have mercy, is the love of Christ in you? <sighs> you know when a verse and you read it and it just, that was it. And so, like, there are certain things in the word where maybe it's contextual, it's, it's, it's in the context of, of the time it was written, other things, God's very clear. He gives us declarations, and it's not our job to interpret it. It's our job to apply, find the truth and apply that truth to our life. And so that's one of those times Jesus doesn't ask you, hey, if you want to go to the nations and make disciples, it'd be kind of cool. Get some frequent flyer miles, maybe go check some stuff out, go to some nice beaches. He See says, go. World. He says, go. So um, mission trip came up, $1,200. I'm like, I'm broke. I'm a coach. I don't have any money. How am I going to raise $1,200? Um, but, you know, God called me to, and I know my God's bigger than a number, so I jumped in and said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Um, and through that, um, raise support and raise in excess the funds required to go, go to Haiti. Um, and one of the things playing in my mind at that time was, you know, you're Satan kind of is kind of good at keeping us where we are, trying to kick fear on us. Like, you know, you're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. What are you going to do in Haiti? You have nothing to offer. And um, as Matt said, I can tell you, every single one of you is created in the image of God. You have purpose, and he's got something good for you, and it's for the kingdom. And all you have to do is engage. Um, so I go down to Haiti, and it's not about the things that I got to do, but got to really see a different part of the world and have my life kind of flipped what I say right side up. Um, saw abject poverty for the first time. You know, it's easy to see like an orphan on TV um, and to kind of flip the channel, it's not personal. Um, but when that orphan becomes a kid named Milton in Mozambique who has AIDS who's never met his parents, it gets real. And it's much harder to ignore that when it becomes part of your heart. Um, and so through a circumstances of events, and you know, I came home and said, you know, yes, Lord, this is what you have for me. And, and you know, I, I took what I had in my life, my, my plans with the Braves and all these things that I wanted, and I said, Lord, it's yours. My life is yours, and this is what you have for me, and I'm going di- to dive in, and I'm going to say yes. And from then, um, actually, uh, right now it's the end of January, so less than five years ago today, from then, God's taken me to 28 countries in less than five years. And um, that just goes to show you that, you know, hey, I don't have a, a seminary degree. I don't have a special education. I'm a guy who just said yes, and the Lord said, let's do this. Um, and so whatever God has for you, if you say yes, you engage, uh, he'll take you there. And really what you're, what you're saying is there's a willingness, mm. and you said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask you a few questions, because I think that within your story, I'm imagining that a lot of them have thoughts or questions, or maybe they've never done a mission trip, or never, maybe they've never said yes in anything like this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask him some questions that I think you might want to ask as well. Um, who could go on... A mission trip. As we talk about making an impact globally, saying yes, being willing, who is it that can go on a mission trip? Yeah, my answer to that is is anybody. Um, one of the, like I said, Satan will kind of use things to try to keep us grounded, make us feel like we're unworthy or incapable of functioning in God's kingdom. Uh, that's a lie. It's, it's, it's not from the Lord. If you are in this room, if you are breathing, you are created in God's image, and hence you are, 
you're capable, you're, you're able to go. Um, for some reason, the ladies have a compassion bone, maybe bigger than the men, and you guys, <laughs> you love to go love on people. It's easy. It's who you are. It's, it's God made you moms. You guys have the mom thing. It's perfect. Yeah, bless your heart. God oh. love you. My wife's one of those. She will cry at Publix commercials, love her to death. <laughs> Wait a minute, though. Hang on. Anyone else Publix commercials? Okay, there I'm raising Thank my you hand. Listen, you can That's raise your real. hand high like me. I'm, I'm with you, Sam. I hey, see it. Hey, it's real. Okay. Cheetos are real. <laughs> Honey nut or regular. It's a big difference. So, um, so ladies, earmuffs for a second. I need to talk to the men. Men, for some reason, men don't engage in, engage in much in missions. And if you look back in the scriptures in Genesis, you look at the first sin of man. It wasn't Eve munching on that apple because she likes fruit. It was man's inability to step up and lead when he was called to lead and mm. do what God had called him to do. I know some of you ladies are like, finally, somebody said it. I've been waiting to oh, say dude. it. Somebody said dude, it. Dude, like, listen, we'll say things in here, and then they'll be like, ooh. Oh, dang, he did. Yeah. They start to participate in the sermon, and I get really excited. So, yeah, you can keep doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But don't look at the guy next to you and be like, oh, shoot. That's for you. Yeah. It's talking about you. Yeah. That's, you got issues, too, okay? Okay. So what I'm saying to you men is, in all seriousness, there is a, a spiritual battle waging in this world. And the wool was pulled over your eyes here in the States. And sometimes you can't see it. Yeah. Um, but guys, guys, it's real. And whether you engage in it or not, you can go on a mission, become a home. Maybe you're not called to missions, but you are, are called to lead. Maybe you're not a pastor, maybe not a CEO of a company, but you're called to lead your family, your wife, and your kids. And, and there's things vying for those people's hearts in your life. And you need to be learned how to, to be on your knees in prayer and taking up your spiritual sword and dashing those things that are competing to their hearts. Because there's nothing greater in your life. Your greatest ministry men is your wife and your kids. And my wife over there is my number one ministry. And if my job here takes away from that, I'm failing her. I'm failing my first ministry. So men, you have to engage. Don't be like, what's the first dude in the Bible, whatever his name is, getting all scared, won't say anything to you about the apple, engage. Yeah. Now, I know that one of the things that as I was in, in high school, as I was in college and hearing about mission trips, the big thing that I was always afraid of that you even alluded to was the whole money element, mm -hmm. like a bunch of broke college kids. Yeah, I um, hear you. So in terms of the cost of going on a mission trip, because mm -hmm. that's, that's a reality of what it is. There mm -hmm. is a cost. Right. What is covered in the cost? How do you pay for it? How do you raise support? How does, that, how does that even look? Right. So all the trip costs are on the website. They're all listed out. And I can tell you we've worked very, very hard this year to make these trips as low as possible on the cost. So when you see the cost, there's a lot of numbers on there. But no, like you're getting a, a great, great price in these trips. As far as how to raise the support, you look in Scripture, there's numerous instances of people in the Bible raising support. The, there's the Levites who worked in the church, who were provided by the people who came to the temple to worship, brought them offerings. Um, Jesus himself, there's one verse in the Bible that says the two women sold everything they had and funded Jesus' ministry as they went along. So even Jesus raised support. So what you'll do, you sign up for a trip, and uh, each trip has its own specific leader who will train and coach you on how to raise support for your trip. You're never alone. It's not like, hey, here it is. Uh, we're going to charge a card if you don't make it. Um, yeah. Good luck. We'll see you in a few weeks when we get see to the airport. See you in Kenya. Yeah. Not going to happen. Um, they're, by, they're by your side. They teach you how to write the letter. They give you examples. Uh, they encourage you. They pray for you. And I can tell you, every single person who has engaged in the process that we have given them in the booklet that we've laid out, very step-by-step, step, one, two, three, you can do it paint-by-number kind of thing, everyone who has done that has raised the support and got on the trip. Hmm. God is bigger than any number that you can create in your mind that you think is too big for him. Hmm. What? So what are the... I know there, there are two primary opportunities for mm -hmm. C12 right. to jump on board to those things. Can you right. explain those two a little bit? Yep. So we have two trips right now that are catered specifically for C12, just for you guys. 
Now, you're adults, you're over 18, you want to do an adult trip, that's fine. But if you want to engage in your own community, as Matt's been talking about, engaging in community, um, there are two specific opportunities. The first one is coming up this May in Tanzania, the home of zebras and giraffes and yeah. lions and Mount Kilimanjaro, the biggest mountain in Africa. It's awesome. In Tanzania, you're going to literally go to places where Jesus has never been, they've never heard the name of Jesus. The first time telling people, hey, there's a son of God. He loves you. He, he, he knows who you are, and he wants you to know who he is. Uh, you can go there, guys. It's an awesome trip. It's like three to four weeks. It's incredible. Um, it's literally going out into the bush. Like you watch Nat Geo, you see like the cheetahs running around. You're not going to be dodging cheetahs Heisman style, but you will be out there doing it big time, real things <laughs> in a tent. It's awesome. If you want full cultural engagement, that's where you are. Another trip, going to Kenya. Again, East Africa. Awesome place, beautiful place to a community called Sagara. And this is the poorest community um, that Fortune Bridge, our partner, works with. Amazing place, guys. Um, awesome places to dive in, engage. But there's limited spots. So the first come, first serve. Um, get you guys signed up. We'll get you out there. And I promise you, if you engage, you pick up your sword, you say yes. The Lord will do a mighty work in your own heart, and it will be a holy intervention in your life. Awesome. So will you hang out afterwards so they can come and talk to you if they have questions? Absolutely. I will be outside by the table under the stairs with some cool little handout things. You want to come up? Do it. Love to talk to you. And real quick, anybody while I've been talking says, you know what? Men, I've never been on a mission trip before. I, I, I want to go this year. I'm going to do it. Is that you? Is anybody here says, I'm going to do it? Boom, right here. Hey, what's your name? Stand up, brother. You say, you raise your hand. You're on the spot now. Bryant. Bryant, the first 100 bucks of your mission trip, I'm paying for. But you got to go. You got to go. If you go, he'll cover the first 100. The first 100 right. bucks is out right here. So go see him under the stairs. Come all find right, me, man. all right? Good. All right, cool. That's willingness is what that is. Yeah, I'll go. I like sure, it. yeah, okay. Engage. There yeah, it, is. it is. Easy. All right, hey, will y'all give Michael a hand? Thanks for coming up, man. Appreciate it, man. You too, bro. And his wife, Sam, that's, that beat him in a competition the last time I hung out with both of them. I'm just saying, she may or may not be better than you, Michael. Um, just saying. Outpunted your coverage. Good job. So, now, in terms of this, my prayer is that you get inspired. That you're inspired and you say, you know what? I want to be a part of something like that. Now, a lot of you are going to say, yeah, that sounds awesome, but I still don't know. What we've been praying, what even Elliot prayed when we were up here in worship, is that there would be zero fear inside of you. Realize, like he said, that God is bigger than any number and that God wants to do something great in your life. But the second side of this, yes, you're a part of something greater. But let me speak into for a few minutes to the second side of this. You have a unique role to play. God's going to do incredible things, but you have a unique role to play. And it may not be, for some of you, on the global field. It may not be throughout the world in Tanzania and in Kenya. But you know what? There's a backyard here in Gwinnett County that also needs to see the love of Jesus. And we here at 12 Stone, the way that we say this, our, our verse, our mission is that we exist to inspire life, to share life, and to give life. Because Jesus says he has come to give life and life to the full. It's John 10.10. 10. And we interpret that by saying we want to give ourselves away. And so a primary way that we, C12, can give ourselves away is by saying, you know what? I, I can step up. And you know what? I, I can play a unique role in this church. C12 doesn't exist on its own. We are a part of 12 Stone Church. And on the weekends is an incredible opportunity for you to find community and teaching and worship and get involved in what God wants to do in your life. 
And just a few weeks ago, we went from four campuses to how many? Nine. To nine campuses, okay? Nine different campuses. And they're situated all throughout the county. So I'm going to kind of name the campuses, and I just want you to raise your hand and tell me if you live in that city or near that campus. We have now a campus in Bethlehem. Does anyone near, live near Winder or Bethlehem? We have hands in this room that live near there, okay? What about our Loganville or Grayson campus? Anyone live near Loganville, Grayson area? Okay, there are hands. You live around that area. Anyone Snellville? Anyone Snellville area? Snell- yeah, get fired up for Snellville. I mean, I guess, like, Brookwood's all right, I guess. Um, so... All right, how about this? What about Brazelton? Anyone in the Brazelton, Chateau Long kind of area? Anyone? Hands raised. Awesome. What about Hamilton Mill? Anyone live near Hamilton Mill, around Hamilton Mill area? Okay. Flowery Branch. Who lives near Flowery Branch, Gainesville, that kind of corridor? Chestnut Mountain up there, okay. Who would say they live near Sugarloaf, Duluth, that side, Johns Creek, that area? And how many of you would live in Lawrenceville? Okay, a lot of you. Uh, listen, the guy who used to lead this is leading the campus. I, don't, I just didn't want to mention it. So, How many of you live near Buford? In Buford, near Buford, around there? Okay, I just named nine places. And all of you raised your hand and said you live near one of them. So let me tell you the vision that I see for 12 Stone and that I see for C12. That we, C12, would become a force in this church because we're willing to say, I'll play my unique role as a part of being something greater. By attending the campus that I live closest to on the weekend. See, the way I see it, if there's you and 10 other people that live around the Snellville campus, then the 10 of you go and attend the 9 o'clock together and serve together at the 11 o'clock. You just found community together. You go and attend, sit together, worship together at the Snellville campus as they get launched. And then say, you know what, we're going to go love on some kids. So we're going to go and invest our time at the 11 o'clock hour by pouring into kindergarten through fifth graders, sharing with them the love of Jesus, and just loving on some kids. We're going to go do that at 11 and find community. Then after that's done, we're going to go and have lunch, and we're going to hang out. Now you just found community where you live. Because here's what I don't want to happen. It's happening now, and I don't want to continue. The only possible place, if you are between 18 and 25 years old, for you to find community at this church is in this room on Thursday nights. Now, this room on Thursday nights is not stopping. And it's going to continue to grow. And we're going to keep seeing first-time visitors come in and keep watching your friends walk in this room and keep seeing 20 people walk down and accept Jesus at the same time and keep baptizing people, whether they're twins, brothers, sisters, or friends, it's going to happen. But, I just rhymed. Rhyme time. You like that? (laughs) Lyricist. On the weekends... C12 also exists. It exists at all nine of those campuses because that's where you are, because we are C12. So go and find who are the people that live around you that you'd love to hang out with. Maybe they're in this room, maybe they're not. Go and attend that campus together and serve together. And maybe it's here at this campus, serve in this campus. I have done almost everything at this church except for lead worship because we like for people to come to church, okay? I led elementary ministry for three years at our Hamilton Mill campus. I led the preschool at at, uh, Hamilton Mill for six months. My first diaper ever changed was there. It was awful. And I put the new diaper on backwards, I found out three years later. A little redhead named Jack. I'm forever scarred by that ginger kid. Um, So (laughs) I led that. I led Hamilton Mill uh, middle school ministry for two years. I've done logistics at the church. I've done spiritual formation. I've done support and recovery. Now I'm getting to do C12. And through all of it, 
what I've seen is the opportunity to share people, share with people the love of Jesus, to make an impact on people's lives is there in all of them. When I was doing elementary ministry, it was the one place I did not ever think I would end up do, being. I never thought I'd be a children's pastor, ever. And there was one day I was standing there at the door. Every kid that came through, I'd always do this and be like, hey, how you doing? And I'd get on their level and get to know them. And there was one girl, she was five years old, she was in kindergarten. And as everyone was leaving, she was the last one there. And I went up to her and I was, and never seen her before. I went up to her and said, hey, are you, you waiting on your parents? And she looked up at me and she said, just my mom, I don't have a dad. And I don't know where it came from, but I looked at her, I got down and I said, yeah, you do. He's in heaven and he's never going to leave you. Now, I don't know what the impact that made. I don't know. But that one sentence could have changed the trajectory of the rest of her life. She may have up until that point thought, I don't have a father. And then she was able to hear, yes, you do. He's in heaven, and he'll never leave you. He will always love you, and he is for you. I just changed the trajectory of someone's life. Jesus just did that because I was there, I was willing, and I was present. Or maybe it's in middle school. I can't tell you how many students have come in when I was doing middle school that I was able to watch their entire presence at school change, their influence change. Or people walk in that are 12, 13, 14 years old that have been bullied and beat up by life, and they're suicidal. There's a girl that came in with her mom, and she was contemplating suicide. She was 14 years old. It was her first time there, and she did not want to be there. But I got to sit in that room and talk to her for 30 minutes. And just get to know her. Let her know that someone cares about her. And then walk her through the gospel and share with her Jesus. And now she serves in the children's ministry two years later at Hamilton Mill. Wondering what in the world was I thinking about that. Because now she has life and joy and love and peace. And that happened because I was willing and I was present. And I said, I can play this unique role. Every one of you have the ability to do this. To be a part of something greater in your life. And we want to give you the opportunity to step up and see that happen in your world as well. For some of you, it's a mission trip. Go and watch God change your world. I went to Costa Rica for three months. It was a part of study abroad with UGA. But I got to know and live with a the family there for three weeks. It changed my life. Because I got to see what it was like in a different culture, in a different setting, and share the love of Jesus with someone that I had no idea who they were. Maybe that's it for you. And maybe for some of you, it would say, I need to sign up and be a part of something. I need to do something with my life. I don't want to be a couch potato in my faith. I want to grow. I want to grow up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and men. I don't want to just survive my college years. I want to thrive in them. The way you do that is by giving yourself away. So there's a card on your chair. There's a card on your chair that talks about doing that, signing up to serve. If you would say, the campus that I attend, that I'm going to attend, that I live near, I'm going to jump on board and I'm going to do something there. And you would see those, all those options and you would say, you know what, I can give my time here. Guess what? In 18 to 25 years old, that little pocket, you have more availability, more time, and more freedom than any other season of life. You may not believe it, but it's completely true. Get married, it gets more difficult. Have kids, even more difficult. Get a job, more difficult. As you continue to get older, the leisure time dwindles. So take that time and say, I'm going to give myself away and be a part of something greater. Sign up for one of those. Write your name, let us know, and then we want to connect you with the people in those ministries to help you completely unleash that potential that's inside of you.
Because I want us to become a force in this place. I want this to become a movement that never stops. But it's going to take you stepping up and saying, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do something bigger. So jump on board, sign up, and give yourself away. Where are you going to serve? At a campus? On a mission trip? In what ministry? Your college campus? Let's start doing something. Let's stop being consumers and start playing that unique role that God would have for us and being a part of something greater. Let me pray for y'all. God, you got me fired up. Because I know that in my life, I've been able to watch and see the, the way that you've used my ability to say, all right, I'm willing, I'll do it. And allowed your blessing to follow that. Because God, you've never left me alone. Every single moment that I've said, I'll step up and I'll be obedient to you. And I want to see the potential that you would call me to. Every time I've done that, God, you've met me in those moments. And you've guided me through. You've never left me alone. So Father, my prayer is that you would allow that exact same promise, that same presence, that same comfort, that, that joy that you've given me. Father, would you allow that to completely overwhelm the hearts of these people? And I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to step up and say, we want to be a part of something greater. And I just gave them the opportunity to do that, Father. So my prayer is that they would they'd look at that paper, they listen to these words, they listen to what you want to say, and they would say, let me pray about that. Mm, yes. Would we collectively say yes to you tonight? Would we collectively join up in the vision that you have for us as a ministry and say, I want to be a part of this? Because lives are going to change. And you're going to change my life as well. So, Father, I give you every bit of praise. I give you every bit of glory in this. Because the stories that you're going to begin authoring in our lives are going to be greater than we could ever imagine. But the truth is, you are the center of them. So over the next few moments, Father, my prayer is that we would, we would come before you humbly. We'd come before you courageously. And we would ask of you, where is it that you are calling me specifically and uniquely to give myself away, to serve, to be a part of something greater? Reveal with us with quick clarity the places that you would want us to jump on board. And follow that clarity, Father, with a courage and a boldness to say, I'm here, I'm willing, let's do this. So, Father, have your way in this room. Captivate our hearts be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.